Welcome back to The Craft, where we explore what we're learning about the creative process. I'm Colby, and I'm here with my friend Carter today, and we are talking about craft versus art. You might think of, you know, a stonemason whenever you hear the word craft, or a carpenter, and you might think of a painter or someone else whenever you hear the word art, but what is the is, what is the difference between craft and art? Are they one and the same, or is there a, dis, a good distinction to draw? That's kind of what we... I think that's what we're getting into today, but maybe you could open up the topic a little bit more, Carter. That's great. Just kind of opening for the primary question. How do we understand art versus craft? Are they the same thing? Are they different things? In what way are they different? I'm reminded, I think we did an episode about hobbies versus craft, Mm. or I know we've talked about that. That might be a standalone episode, but we've definitely talked about what is your craft, finding your craft, what constitutes a craft. And we kind of thought we had a grip on it. And then the kind of tension between art and craft, arts and craft, not that, uh, (laughs) comes into it. And so I think what would be useful today is kind of press into some of those usages of how we use the words and see if there's kind of a way in which they can be reconciled or in which we can kind of give specific regions for art versus the craft. And, and we're, we're kind of, to show you what we're leading to already, we're working towards kind of the Greek understanding of techne, uh, which is the word for both art and craft. It was used interchangeably. And so I would kind of give away what we're, what we're working towards. But the thing I wanted to ask you to, to kind of start the conversation, Colby, and you alluded to it with stonemasonry. When you think craft, what are some of those kind of word association? What comes to mind immediately. And then another way to kind of ask that would be, what doesn't come to mind? And so maybe the first one being, you hear craft, what would be kind of a normal usage for it? What are those associations you have? And then maybe where would it be out of place, if that makes sense? Yeah, I definitely think I alluded to it. I mean, I feel like it's the, it's interesting. I mean, we, I think, I think that the terms are I think the terms make me think of stonemasons, carpenters, like people that work with their hands, you know? So I think of a very tactile thing, maybe even like sculptors and I don't know, maybe maybe architects. I mean, of course, I think where we land on this to sort of give away some of it is that I see all disciplines, really, like anything uh, can fall under the craft because I think I... I define it as like this pursuit of mastering the craft is like the way we talk about it. And so I think it's like the craft is the discipline or the, the profession. It's almost like a synonym for those words in my mind. But then I hear these terms like art and fine art. And I, and I kind of think, you know, like, Oh, should there be a distinction between, you know, a painter an illustrator designer, a, a musician, a songwriter, a singer, like, sure. or a dancer, like, are those crafts? Like maybe there are, those are really fine arts. And so should we draw a distinction? Did we misname the podcast? <laughs> you know, it's like, there's, there's been those thoughts. And so I think, I think I know where I land with it, but I'm excited to talk more about it. 
I think that's the thumbnail for this episode. Did we misname the podcast? I think that actually could be good, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think I had the same response to the idea of craft. You first think of like the silly crafts that you do in preschool. Those are called crafts. But then there's the very different kind of word of craftsmanship. Like you pick up something, you're like, oh man, this has got some serious craftsmanship went into this. And in some ways, it's almost like a statement about the quality of something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree with you. I think there's definitely, there's this process that's invoked with it because you say, I'm going to craft something, right? You craft a song or you craft a table or you craft some some work and there's some product there, uh, but you don't really use art in the same way. Like you don't art something, like you create art, but there's not, it seems like this process aspect and it seems to be more of like a noun in this way. And so you can do something artfully Right, you can be someone can be cooking, and you're like, man, to them it's an art. But you don't say they're like arting cooking or something. Where you would say they're crafting a delicious meal would be much more natural. And so, you know, that was one of the things that I was thinking about is this distinction between and and you already mentioned it here, the craft representing something of a process where art seems to be. Right and now we're trying to you know define what art is, but it's it's something in which it's related to beauty in a way that's not just arbitrary. And so you know here I think Roger Scruton is so helpful. He talks about if art is just completely wide open, it can be anything. Anything can be art. Well, then really we're just saying you look at some things and I look at other things. There's really nothing sticking there. His argument is that we can't lose the idea that art shares some sort of relationship with beauty. Because if we value art, well, then we're saying, hey, there's something objectively valuable about this. And this is not just saying, I like looking at this and you like looking at that. Because if that's all that art is, then everything is art. And if everything is art, nothing's art. I mean, it just kind of breaks down quickly. And so I think art does have a kind of range of a range of concern where I agree with you that craftsmanship seems to be like a much broader latitude. I don't know. I'm, I'm more, mm. I'm more prone to, to extend the boundaries of craft further than the boundaries of what art is. I don't know if that, I don't know if you have that inclination or, you know, I know you're working mm. through kind of fine art versus whatever pop art would be. But I guess I'm just curious to, if you have anything else to say about the the latitude that we give craft. Like here, I know we've talked about it before, is something that's really wide. Like you can have all sorts of different crafts. And that seems to be different than kind of a region in which we would consider what art is or even the quality of artfulness, like we can maybe ascribe that to a lot of things, but but art seems to be something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the definition, according to Merriam-Webster, of craft, the first definition is skill in planning, making, or executing. And so it's really like uh, the approach and the, like you said, the craftsmanship 
of work, like the care put into the work. So I think that, you know, it actually kind of evokes the picture of like, just like some glass blower or something like that. Just this, this very tactile thing that's done that someone apprenticed for and they trained and they became a master over time. That I think is more broad than because it's an act, it's a, a form or it's a way that you approach your work. It's not the work or the category of work that you're doing. So the craft of, you know, designing a car or the craft of making, producing a movie or, you know, writing a novel, like they could all be done. I guess all those are pretty similar in terms of fields, but I think that that's one of the reasons that I would agree that craft is a broader um, term. It's interesting. The other definitions kind of going down the line here. The second one is an occupation trade or activity requiring manual dexterity or artistic skill. So that's the more traditional kind of like masonry, glass blowing, like pottery, those, you know, things kind of come to mind because of that. And then you have the third one, skill and deceiving to gain an end. (laughs) And then you have the members of a trade or trade association. And I guess it could be a boat, especially of small size. So there you go. I mean, there's (laughs) now we're going way outside of the field here, (laughs) but it could be a small boat craftfully made too. This is good. Let's, let's kind of, let's, yeah, that was a, sorry, that was a tangent, but no, I love this. Let's kind of drill into it because I think there, there is something about the way that we're using these in tandem, right? So we could say that the craft is almost the pursuit of artfulness within a creative expression or something like that. Because it almost seems like maybe it was the third, either the third or fourth definition you gave that craft involves some sort of artful expression or it involves the quality of art in some way. What was the expression that used that or the definition that used that? An occupation, trade, or activity requiring manual dexterity or artistic skill. Yeah, that idea of like artistic skill, like the craft is somehow the pursuit of artfulness mm-hmm. or the pursuit of beauty if we want to align artistic, beauty and art together. An artistic approach to your work. Mm-hmm. And there's, to kind of add another layer to this, there's also kind of Heidegger's idea that the true, he says, cabinet maker is one that uses the wood in such a way that it reveals the essence of the wood. And so this is kind of him distinguishing this from, think about maybe the synthetic cabinet that you could make that's just totally practical and efficient, but there's no kind of broader revelation or revealing of the material that's involved with it. It's just like this plastic, totally utilitarian cabinet. He's kind of contrasting this with, okay, maybe the true cabinet maker is one that's going to be intimately related with the medium of the cabinet wood, Mm. right? To use a certain wood in some way to think about how the color and the texture is involved with the design. That seems to be like a different mode of doing crafts. And I think this might get to something you said a minute ago, that it's like a way in which you do it. Mm -hmm. 
there's something about how you approach it that separates it from, to go back to one of our examples, washing dishes, right? I mean, it, it, something which is, we wouldn't say that's not a pursuit of a craft. I don't know what I'm, I'm getting at here, but mm-hmm. I do like the idea that there's something about a craft which is a way of doing something. And so maybe the question is like, what is that way? Is it trying to be faithful to the material that you're using? Is it trying to cultivate a certain um, aesthetic? I don't know. Yeah, so how do you define like what, <laughs> we've defined what the craft is, but how do you define that that level of quality that kind of defines something being done with craftfulness? Oh, that's probably not a word, but done with done skillfully like a craft. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think it's the pursuit, like it's a never ending pursuit of growing more and more perfect, but it's never going to be perfect in, you know, in this world. It's just a pursuit of reaching beyond where you are now, where you're able to go now. And so I think you like, I think the image (laughs) to get practical is like, you know, the, the amazing Netflix documentary hero dreams of sushi where he spends, he's, I think at the time the documentary was filmed, maybe like 80 years old, and he's been doing nothing but making sushi for, what, 40, maybe 60 years. And he's still, every day, he's like, it's not good enough yet. And not, I don't think it's like a hopeless, you know, it's not good enough yet. Yeah, but it's exactly. like, a, I'm hungry still. After all these years, I'm still trying to improve the way that we, where we shop for the meat uh, or the fish. And how it's cooked and how it's, or not cooked, how it's cut and how it's plated and how it's, you know, the kitchen cleanliness, the, what is it, mise in place, is that the word? And all of these aspects are still being, you know, worked on, like after 60 years, let's say, that evokes to me the the idea of a pursuit of excellence that I think marks a craft. Yeah, that's a great example. I think to think about that, the craft is the making of the sushi and all the different iterations and lessons that he's learned. But it seems like if we want to apply art to food, right, the moment that the piece of sushi touches down on the plate, Mm. that's the art. So I think there's, I I don't know. The presentation is the art? Is that what you're saying? Well, not the presentation, but more of like the fulfillment of the act of craft is the art. So let, let, me, let me kind of let me play it out a little bit more. Hmm. The I, I don't know if I want to say product, but the sushi that he's able to create in this metaphor is the art. The craft is his making of the sushi or his ability, his skill, his pursuit of making better and better sushi. The craft and somehow is the the handmaiden or the uh, the house that's serving the art. So the craft of painting, your your painter ability to manipulate colors and textures and perspectives, the craft of painting would be in service to the art because the art would be right the painting when it's finished when it's hung so i think the the craft is not ever static 
Like, I think some art is done. The Mona Lisa's hanging up there. Well, you know, whatever painting you want to say, if it's there, if it hasn't been stolen or <laughs> whatever those crazy conspiracy, maybe not rumors are. Um, but there's something static about the art being there where the craft is, it never rests almost. Like it's so, always, like you said, going. I right, jump in here. Okay. So there's this quote from Tolstoy that I have written down. Uh, that is on the, it's a definition of art. So I think this will be interesting to see if it kind of like fits into what we're saying here. And I think this is great because this episode is an opportunity to like just define like what is the craft all about and why, you know, how do we think about it and what that kind of is the background for every conversation in the podcast. So I'm really excited to be talking about this. It might feel a little bit more academic that we're getting into these details, but I think it matters for the name of the podcast and, and just everything we're about here. So here's the Tolstoy quote to evoke in oneself a feeling one has experienced and having evoked in it, evoked it in oneself, then by means of movement, lines, colors, sounds, or forms expressed in words. So to transmit that feeling that others may experience the same feeling, that is the activity of art. So like to paraphrase that, cause it's long and confusing. It's like, Having a feeling, wanting other people to feel it, using your medium of expression to make other people feel what you felt, that is art. And that's pretty interesting because it, it t- totally ties into what we're talking about here. So would you, would you say that is this in agreement with what you're saying or is it, I don't know, play it out a little. Yeah, that's interesting. I remember I actually came across that quote in an aesthetics course that was trying to get at you know, what art is, what it does. And immediately almost the qualifications like start to arise. So you're like, okay, what if I feel this way? And I just tell you that that's not quite it. There's this, there's this act of that Tolstoy's talking about that. It's the almost inception of that same feeling within you, not just processing it intellectually. I could tell you, Hey, I'm lonely and I'm, you know, I'm melancholy. And it's not just you being able to process that. There's something different that happens when I write a stanza that when you read it or, you know, draw a, a picture, and that would not be what I do because it's horrible. But yeah, let's go back to write a stanza in which you read it and there's this like incubation of melancholy. And then there's this somehow like transmission of more than just like the data. Carter is melancholy or Carter feels melancholy. There's this very deeply interpersonal and communal element of Tolstoy's definition that art involves a community. And I think in a lot of ways that's compelling that there's the subject in me that's reaching out to a subject in another person and not – transmitting something because I think that's kind of mm-hmm. a crude way to understand it, but asking and and trying to help someone else come along you and recognize this thing, however nameless and indeterminate and undeterminate it is, and get to a place of mutual recognition. I mean, I think it's it's a beautiful definition of what art is. Yeah. I mean, it's that feeling of hearing a song and be like, they wrote this for me. Like, I feel 
heard or I feel seen by this song as if I I could have written it because it's evoking. I mean, maybe that's slightly different than his definition here because that's more like. But I think if if I have a feeling and experience in my life and I create art, and then I share that with other people and they have also had an experience like that, then you are going to directly. It's another version of the same thing, which is just making them feel like this art is making me really feel the same way that you felt when you wrote this song or when that thing happened in your life. Like, I feel like we have such a deep connection. You know, it's that shared experience. It's it's like a form of empathy lived out through music or painting or words, a poem, a novel. It's a really cool idea that just that art has the power to do that. You know, and so that maybe that's uh, how art is a little bit more particular than a craft, because maybe not every everything that's done with skill and excellence is done to help evoke feelings in other people like that. I don't know. What do you think about that before we move on? One of the things I'll just kind of add, if my recollection serves me, Tolstoy also allows this definition to help him understand how to evaluate art. So successful art, quality art is quality in its ability to inculcate that feeling in others. So bad art would be that which does not do it, right? It, it mm. doesn't, you don't look at it and are brought into that place that the artist is trying to express. It would be that which is shallow and maybe, I don't know, Thin, let's just say shallow and thin and move on. And so Tosa also uses it as kind of a criteria for evaluation. Maybe there's a distinction here between art and craft in that maybe your crafts don't do that. Maybe you look at a well-crafted table and you're not brought into the emotion of the artisan. See, I just used artisan. Should I have? Is it a crafts, you know, is it a craftsperson? Like, what is it? But maybe that's a distinction I really do like the idea, and maybe you could say something to this if you've got any sort of, I don't know, some place here you want to latch on to, but the idea that the craft is somehow not the product or the craft is somehow the action and the art is the result or the quality, like we would say, that's an artful design. That's a, and they were artful in their way of communication, right? We would say it's got some sort of quality to it. And the ability to do it is the art of X, right? The art of public speaking, the art of whatever. But the craft never seems to be that, it's never that thing, which you say, that's the the craft of this. I don't know if that's, it doesn't seem like a natural way to do it. The craft seems so much more comfortable in that position of action. I'm crafting a song. I'm crafting X. I'm crafting a sonnet. I'm crafting a, a non-fiction uh, essay, right? I don't know. Anything there that- Yeah, to me, sorry, to just jump right in. To me, the the- idea of the craft like like the craft of music for example the craft of music production let's say i hear almost like the process of music production or the process of music production in pursuit of mastery or skill skillfully done you know it's it's like an approach to discipline uh, that's kind of what comes to mind for me whereas maybe the the art 
of music production. You know, in that sense, I think that I hear those words pretty synonymously, if I'm honest. But I think that the distinction is, like you said, I think it's the Tolstoy quote's really helpful to say the craft of music production is the pursuit of doing music production in the most skillful way, getting better, becoming a master and knowing. And I want to talk a little bit about what that looks like in a minute and what I, because I heard a really good definition of that recently that inspired me. But that's kind of what I hear in craft. Whereas the art of music production or the art that music production produces is something that uh, ideally it, it makes you feel something that is real and isn't cheesy and half-baked or, you know, underwhelming because then according to Tolstoy, Tolstoy's definition, it's kind of failing to be good art. So I think that's, that seems to be, I feel a pretty good landing the plane on those definitions, even though they're not going to cover, they're maybe a little sim- simple. Like I think it's helpful for me to think of art as the thing that's more communicative and evokes a feeling from one person to another. And then craft being more of this pursuit of becoming a master. Yeah, I think that's a pretty, I think that's a nice delineation. And I think in some ways they do collapse kind of on themselves. You know, it may, would you like me to read that Heidegger quote? It might be helpful to do yeah, that Yeah, I was going to bring that up. I think that it would be great too. Because you, you texted me this the other day and I, I was really amazed by it. But could you read it again to remind me? Yeah, sure. So Heidegger writes, and this is in Poetry, Language, and Thought. Yes. The Greeks, who knew a bit about art, used the same word, techne, for craft and art, and call, and call the craftsmen and the artist by the same name, technites, tectes. I don't know how they... <laughs> it's technites? It's technites? I don't know how the Greek would say that, but it thus seems advisable to define the nature of creative work in terms of its craft aspect close quote. And so here, it's just a really cool etymological idea that techne carried for the Greeks this idea of both the craft, the working out of it, the craftsmanship, and also the artist. And they were kind of subsumed and they were so intertwined together. And it seems to me that that's kind of how we've been using it all along in a way that when we say the craft it somehow becomes this repository for this all of these ideas about right beauty and creative expression and communication between just like the tolstoy quote but also this general idea that to pursue these things is the craft itself that the pursuit of mastery is something which is distinct but also inextricable from the actual work. Mm-hmm. And so I just think it's it's kind of a nice to the idea of techne. Maybe the maybe the podcast should be the techne. <laughs> uh, but it's it's a nice idea that I think in some ways, and I don't know if you agree with this, we were kind of using the craft like this already. Yeah, I think so. I think we were using it as pretty much an all-encompassing term for you know art being an artisan doing creative work being an artist making art i think all of those buckets kind of combined and yeah i i love that it's such an interesting interesting 
quote. Whenever you sent it over, I was like, man, this is, this is the, this isn't quote of the week. This is quote of the podcast, not even quote of the year. This is quote of the podcast. Like this is the backup uh, to the name and everything. I think it's great. Yeah, it's definitely cool. So I don't know, where did, where do you want to pivot from here? So you had something in the chamber here. I think one thing that really hit me recently, I listened to this talk from, uh, I'm going to butcher his name. I think it's Bill Gurney or Gurley. And I don't know which one, but I'm sorry, Bill, for mispronouncing your name. But I, it's called Running Down a Dream. And I heard about it from another podcast called Founders, which is a great business podcast. I've really been enjoying that. That's a side note. But in this talk, it's like an hour or 45 minute talk on YouTube. You can check it out. It's called Running Down a Dream, and which I believe is the name of a Tom Petty song. And it's really just a simple but really powerful talk where he walks through the lives of Bob Dylan and Bobby Knight and Danny Meyer, who's the founder of Shake Shack and a bunch of different restaurants in New York City. And he talks about the common threads between these three three men and their success. And it's this really interesting thing. So one of the things that stood out in this talk, one of the things that he said that each of these people did was just, uh, you know, hone their craft, study their craft. And so, of course, I heard that phrase and I was like, my ears perked up, like, what is, what's he going to say about this? And one of the things that this is getting more practical, I think, into like someone who's, you know, a successful investor, he's invested in uh, many successful companies and he's far down the line kind of looking back and he's looking at people like Bob Dylan who have got incredible, just a track record and they're just enigmas really. So what can we learn from them? And so it just got me perked up and I was interested in listening to it. And, and the, the main takeaway for how you pursue your craft in his opinion was, first of all, he said like, you can learn more, you can gather more information than anyone else. Like if you want to be in the top of that craft, like in today's world, you can gather more information. You have the ability. It's like, you don't, you might not be smarter than that other person in that other place in another country or state working on the same thing as you, but you can work harder, basically. Like you can try to gather more information. You can study the history. Like know, I think he uses the word, know the pioneers, know the people who really paved the way in your craft. So like for Dylan, he was, he moved, he had $10 in his pocket and he hitchhiked from like, I think it was Minnesota to New York. And in New York, he goes to the, like the center of folk music and he just sits and he just studies and he's in these bars late at night, just studying the other folk musicians. And, and the way that Bill talked about it, he's like, nobody knew more about folk music at the time when Dylan started doing it than Dylan. And, and that really inspired me because I was like, man, there's so many producers that I don't know about. There's so much history that I don't know about. There's so many, you know, tools I don't know about and techniques. And, you know, my music theory is a little rusty. So it just got me really excited to kind of go back to that sort of beginner's mindset of like collecting information and listening and reading and digging into the history of things. And basically like study as a first step in the pursuit of craft. And then of course there's practice, there's drills. We just did an episode on that. There's finding mentors, finding peers to share your um, secrets with and learn from. Those were two of the other things that he talked about. And, um, but I just wanted to share that, kind of get your thoughts on that idea. Like what stood out from you in all of that? I got really fired up when I heard that. 
I love it, man. I mean, the idea that you can go out and learn is so powerful. And the thing that kind of was a connection for me in my class that I'm teaching this semester, one of the things that I talked about last week was how the research world is so almost like mind-numbing, mind-numbingly different than it has been for the long arc of human history. So like, for example, wow. in 200 years ago, in 1800, so after the Revolutionary War, only about 12% of people in the world could read or write. Let that just sink in for a minute. So around 80... 200 years ago? Yeah, around 88% of the world was illiterate at that time. So in 1820, kind of another statistic, 17% of the world was enrolled in some sort of formal education. Only 17% of the world enrolled in some form of formal education. We Wait, take, what, is, what do you mean by formal education? Is that like... so? In an Elementary actual school or school, high school or college? Just in, in a type of school that's set Period. aside as an yeah. educational institute. Wow. Huh. So it's the idea that, okay, even reading and writing, which we take as like just totally normal, right. they're not or haven't been the primary mode of history uh, over the last millennia. It's been oral traditions. And so first off, we don't have to be around a storyteller or someone who's got all this knowledge memorized. We can read and write. And so that should mm. pretty much floor us. Secondly, it's not that long ago that you could hardly get your hand on a book. You know, in the 19th century, you would hope that there's a loaning library that you could go in and maybe get access to a volume of something that you were interested in. We take kind of the existence of just books that are available and financially achievable for most people for granted. I mean, books were something like, I mean, they showed a mark of wealth that you could afford to buy something like a book. Take it even further, just to right before the dawn of the internet, if you had to find something, you had to go to the library, you had to get in the card catalog, you had to go get a physical copy of whatever you were trying to learn and learn from it. And so tracing this up to today, now the problem is not that, can I get my hands on the information? The problem is I've got so much information that's just inundating me. And I do a Google search, let's say a Google Scholar search even, and I get hundreds of thousands, millions of returns. And so the question now is, how do you navigate it? But I think this just totally speaks to the point that you made we are in a point in human history that it has never been easier for you to access whatever discipline that you are trying to become a craftsman in, mm-hmm. right? If you want to do, you know, get in, let's just take the folk music thing because I love Dylan. If you want to research folk music, there has literally never been an opportunity in the history of folk music like today where you can access online archives, you can access even music. I mean, we even take recorded music for granted where it wasn't that long ago that you couldn't even record music. 
mm-hmm. which is just wild. And so I just find this idea of, look, look at the resources that you have. And one of the ways that you can, I don't know, make up for not having natural talent, if we want to say that there's, I mean, yeah, there's instances of natural talent, but you can certainly go learn more than everyone else knows about the history of folk music or, or whatever your craft is. Those are some things that just hit my mind right off the bat that we just live in such an ex- exceptional time to be able to go and learn stuff. I mean, it's just kind of, mm-hmm. it's mind boggling. Yeah. I was actually listening to that founders podcast. I just mentioned yesterday and uh, a episode about Edison, Thomas Edison, and he lived in the, you know, he was born in the late 1800s, I want to say. And he went, he had to pay for a library membership because uh, I think he was on a train to, I don't know if it was New York or Chicago or some city in the Northeast. And he kept, he would go to that library and he said he started at like the bottom shelf and he read every book, <laughs> which I think would just not be possible today, like based on the number of books that have been generated in the past 200 years. But still, that ferocity of reading and learning in someone like one of the greatest inventors of all time, like that's pretty mind blowing. And, and then to think what would it be like if he was uh, born in like, you know, the nineties or something like right at the dawn of, you know, Google and things about to start. So it's, it's definitely incredible. There's no excuse that's what he said in the talk is like, you no longer have an excuse to not go out and learn these things. It's just, will you take the time and learn? And and so I've got like a list of uh, producers that I really want to like dive into learning like the history and just trying to go back to those roots, you know, listening to more podcasts, trying to read, trying to listen to and learn and watch videos and just keep learning. So I was really just re-inspired by that. That's crazy. Yeah, that's really inspiring. I think sometimes... Maybe we just, we know that the information is out there and then so we don't sense the urgency to go learn it maybe. Yeah. Like if if I wanted to learn something about X, I could Google it. I can look it up online in some sort of resource. I can use a database from the university. So because it's out there, maybe it's, it's so easily accessible. I don't need to go get it now, but it's kind of a neat shift to say like, no, Go and and get this and add this to your kind of repertoire of of knowledge because like we've said before, it's hard to develop a style unless you know what's you know preceded you. Definitely. Yeah, this is good stuff, man. I'm ex- yeah, I'm excited to keep pursuing the craft and keep pursuing that excellence, pursuing you know just understanding the history of where I've come. You know, standing on the shoulders of giants. That idea of and just becoming for me practically like I'm excited to become a better music producer and musician and songwriter and all those things. So it's good stuff. Any other thoughts before we hop off? I think this has been a good discussion. So to summarize, we're looking at the craft. We're looking at art as really closely intertwined. The craft may be giving more emphasis towards the process, the pursuit of mastery and of excellence, the art giving more of a intonation of a quality uh, of a product of something that speaks your subjectivity to another, but we're seeing that they're right, they're weaved together. 
and then also the idea of of knowledge and and developing the craft and developing art is something that is yeah dependent and oftentimes you know necessitates going out and learning i think these are all i think that's really mm-hmm. inspiring stuff yeah and i think it related we mentioned this earlier but i looked it up we have a episode number 11 it's called finding your craft and it really ties into this conversation cuz it's all about what is a craft versus a hobby or like how do I know what passions that I have that I should actually pursue to really for the long term to get better at or should I just leave it as a hobby because I think that's totally fine if you don't want to become a you know like world's greatest chef you don't have to you know that can be a hobby you can enjoy baking you can enjoy whatever so that's another side of this conversation that you don't have to pursue everything in your life with that intensity of like knowing the pioneers and like, <laughs> yeah, you know what exactly, I mean? Like, exactly. There's some things where it's okay to Google yeah. it. I don't know. So, you can make a, yeah, you can make a chicken dish without knowing the history of culinary <laughs> treatment of the, <laughs> the chicken. So yeah, uh, I think that's a good place to end. And uh, yeah, this is a great conversation, man. Thanks for, thanks for having it. Do we have a quote of the week? You know, I mean, I kind of feel like it's the the Heidegger one, if anything, but we could throw one in here. I don't know. No. It's I'm weird on these episodes where we do like two quotes because I'm like, I mean, we could pull one out, but. I don't know. I feel like you hit us with the Tolstoy quote, which is, I mean, a heavyweight. And then the Heidegger quote's also heavyweight. So I think we just need to let them <laughs> go back and listen to those or let those sink in. Yeah, I think that's good. Go replay those. That's all we got for today. Awesome. Well, I think we're out. Hey, thanks for listening to The Craft with Carter and Colby, where we share what we're learning about the creative process. If you're a writer, music producer, marketer, filmmaker, photographer, or you just love creativity, then this show is for you. Our cover art was designed by Elizabeth Newell. You can learn more about her work at elizabethnewelldesign.com. That's Elizabeth n-e-w-e-l-l design.com and you can follow her on instagram at elizabeth is a designer if you like the show there's three things you can do to help us out first subscribe so you learn when we post new episodes second send the link to one of your friends who you think would enjoy the show uh really word of mouth is going to be the the number one way we grow the show in any way and three if you have a topic you want us to cover or feedback about how we can improve the show or comments on what we've said, you can respond to heycraftpodcast at gmail.com, H-E-Y-C-R-A-F-T podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.